Hi, I'm Manish Thavan with my good friend Puneet Khurana. We run a blog by the name of stoicinvesting.com. This is our podcast series on decision makers. Idea is simple. Life is too short to learn from just your own experiences. To inculcate vicarious learning, we will be interviewing and profiling interesting people from different walks of life. Hopefully, this endeavor will shorten the learning curve for our audience. Well, there are few business decisions that are counterintuitive and hard hitting for an observer. When I first got to know that in the peak of a bull market, there was a mutual fund that was not celebrating the irrational exuberance of the public, but denying participation in it, sticking to the core values and ethos of a long-term investing. Uh, well, I was really impressed. I was immediately caught on to it, and I realized that I'm looking at a very maverick organization. I, Puneet Khurana, and Manish Tavan, on behalf of Stoic Investing, welcomes to our new series of podcasts on decision-making masters. And we have with us a maverick decision-maker, Mr. Kalpain Parekh, Managing Director, Sales and Marketing of IDFC Mutual Fund. Welcome, Mr. Parekh. Hi. Hi. Pleasure to have you here. Um, for the benefits of the listener, can you briefly explain how you started in the mutual fund industry and how has been your journey so far? And what were the circumstances that led you to take IDFC to a different path than the normal normal AMC? I started my career in 1998 uh, um, okay. as a part of uh, LNT's uh, treasury function okay. in their uh, they call LNT finance. And uh, the brief two-year experience there uh, taught me a lot about uh, fixed income markets because I was uh, managing uh, portfolios on the fixed income side. Okay. And uh, it was also a period of uh, emergence of private sector mutual funds. India had uh, started deregulating interest rates from its peak of 14-15% to market-led rates. Right. Uh, so that was a period when interest rates started falling. And bond funds became very popular because when rates fall, mm. uh, bond funds tend to give equity <coughs> plus returns also. Yeah. Right. So it was a period of two, three years where debt funds generated uh, between 15 to 20% return. And uh, it created an illusion that we are good money managers. <laughs> uh, I was a treasury manager because rates were falling and returns were coming up. And while I was doing that, uh, I was exposed to one of the underlying mutual fund where we were investing our portfolios. Okay. in those days, which was uh, Prudential ICICI. Uh, so we met and then I moved on the other side in the fund business. So uh, it's been uh, almost 16 years that I've been in mutual funds. 16 uh, years? I've spent around nine years in uh, Prudential ICICI, okay. then around three years in Pirlas and Life and the last five years in IDFC. IDFC. So, but, but earlier you were in the research side. So before joining the fund industry, I was... Um, uh, mainly uh, working as a dealer in the money market team okay. uh, of uh, LND Finance. Interesting. And uh, the role was uh, to basically on spreads, borrow money at lower rate mm-hmm. and deploy money at higher rates, uh, either in the bond market or uh, through debt or equity mutual funds. So that was the first exposure to uh, capital markets and mutual funds. And then I joined um, ICICI in a very event, eventful phase when uh, it was 99 uh, and uh, just the beginning of the 1999-2000 tech bull run. So my first stint by accident was I was deputed to Chennai to um, to launch uh, a te- the, the fund house had launched a technology fund that time. Okay. Okay. Uh, it was world over tech 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the idea was to go and uh, make investors uh, invest in tech funds. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> my early uh, years of experience uh, was basically raising money uh, in a very expensive uh, segment without knowing uh, the pitfalls of uh, investing at uh, wrong valuations. Right. And very soon in the next couple of months, we saw the tech bubble collapse. Um, yeah, these were defining moments because uh, that's when you learned that uh, it doesn't feel great when your investors lose money, mm-hmm. um, especially <coughs> when they invest on your word uh, mm-hmm. and uh, credibility is also at stake. So I think that was a very uh, uh, expensive learning of uh, what not to sell and uh, how to really guide investors towards uh, discipline investing. Okay. So that was the beginning. Uh, At that time, you were in which fund, you said? Uh, Prudential. Prudential, yes. Okay. So that was. I spent around eight years, <coughs> and then gradually, you know, I, I worked. Uh, so I, I basically was uh, hired to be the link between the investment team and the sales team. Okay. Uh, the whole idea was uh, investing is complex. Okay. The fund industry then, and <coughs> even to a large extent now, uh, believes in uh, talking a language of uh, jargons. Okay. Uh, whereas investors don't understand jargon, so the idea was to link between the two by, um, without diluting the basic con- concepts, transmit in a simpler manner. Mm-hmm. So started off uh, in a role like that, which was a link between investments and uh, consumers. And then over time, I built uh, a career in uh, sales and distribution for the last uh, 15 years. Uh, your second question was... Uh, uh, about so what led to you, you uh, know, IDFC to, yeah. doing what uh, it is doing. So, you know, uh, I don't take credit for that. I think it is the ecosystem of IDFC as a group. Okay. Uh, so when I met IDFC <coughs> in my interviews, what really mm-hmm. appealed to me was the concept for nation building when you walked into the office. Okay. And uh, it was very sensible for an infrastructure company to say that because they were actually uh, doing uh, path-breaking work for sure. nation building in various parts of infrastructure. But okay. the question in my mind was... Uh, how can the same be applied to financial services? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I met uh, my bosses in IDFC Mutual Fund, uh, the first thought uh, that I learned was 14-15% uh, returns. Mm-hmm. Good mutual funds uh, add 3 to 5% alpha. Investors so deliver 18 to 20% long-term returns. Account statements of investors, if, if we analyze, would be 6 to 7%. So wow. this is a classical uh, behavior gap uh, okay. and uh, this is primarily because uh, money uh, uh, investors always invest when there is comfort of investing and comfort of investing always comes with uh, peak valuations. Right. So uh, the learning I had uh, when I joined uh, IDFC and IDFC was uh, a 10-year organization by then, uh, IDFC already had built this ethos that uh, if we have to be relevant in the fund business in India as a young entity. Uh, it will only happen when our investors make money, when our investors have good experience. <coughs> mm-hmm. And uh, in spite of all good intent, uh, investor experience never tends to be good because of the greed and fear uh, hypothesis. Yeah. Um, uh, and these uh, behavior biases are, uh, you know, wired through evolution and in a way they are God-made. Yeah. Uh, so however much you attempt uh, to educate, uh, it's not very easy uh, to remove these biases. So changing consumers is not easy. Changing ourselves or our design or our product design is easier. So, uh, IDFC, when it launched its uh, equity business and one of its uh, flagship fund called Premier in 2005 6, 
came with that concept that uh, we will raise money when there are more investment ideas. Yeah. Uh, by definition, more investment ideas are available when it is not easy to raise money. Sure. Uh, and vice versa. And we will not raise money when the market gets fragmented. So, so you know, it's been uh, a build-up on that hypothesis, on those principles. And uh, we've tried to, you know, make that a DNA of the organization and transmit that to our distribution partners and to uh, our investor community. So, Mr. Parikh, when somebody uh, is hired at your organization, uh, how do you impart this culture? Because invariably he would be coming from uh, some of the other AMC only where this would not be the culture, isn't it? So, you know, uh, unfortunately in our business, uh, the AMC business has always got bad press. Mm. However, uh, collectively on an average, the AMC industry has created a lot of value in terms of uh, long-term compounding. And some of our uh, good fund managers uh, in both the asset classes, debt and equity, have created huge alpha. Uh, the right messaging has not reached uh, consumers. So I won't say that, you know, IDFC alone is good and others are not. I think every... A large part of the fund management community has the right intent uh, at its uh, core. Sure. Uh, but the assumption made is uh, investor beware or investor will be aware of uh, market sizes. <coughs> or the assumption is that uh, over long periods of time it does not matter. So if you have a 10, 15, 20 year investment horizon, uh, a good stock selection overcomes market cycles and continues to compound wealth. Uh, what does not work in this assumption is uh, the first part, which is investors will invest for 10, 15, 20 years. Historically, uh, when we analyze data for the last 15 years, we've seen that the average age of a mutual fund investor in, in an asset class is roughly two to three years. And um, wow. okay. um, what, tends, what has tended to happen is uh, because of uh, you know wanting to buy past performance, money comes in at a performance peak cycle. Peak cycle. And typically the next two, three years are not uh, in line with expectation. And investors lose patience and move out. And generally after they move out is when the cycle turns again. But so, leave alone that, Ms. Varek, uh, uh, not just two, three years. I mean, it has been statistically proved <coughs> that if you buy at a wrong time, uh, sometimes you can wait for a decade and uh, the opportunity cost loss can be huge as well. So I think, uh, like I said, in India, uh, at least my observation in last um, 15, 16 years is that uh, you know, take the classic example in recent times of uh, 2008 to 2013, yeah. market peak to market peak. Yeah. Uh, markets went nowhere, flat, no returns. Right. A lot of funds, uh, including IDFC funds, uh, doubled their NOVs. So they compounded. Right. Uh, they compounded 15% CAGR, which is a super, very, uh, uh, you know, uh, a very credible return when markets went nowhere. Sure. And that's what I'm trying to say that, uh, you know, there is a lot of alpha generation that does happen in fund management business. Um, uh, however, uh, five years itself is a tenor which um, we do not get from our investors because of the two-year, three-year cycle. Sure. So there is a two-year, three-year reach right. when the money tends to keep moving out. And money starts chasing another asset class which has started doing well. Um, so the basic discipline of, um, you know, recognizing that investing is for decades uh, is missing. Um, we do hear that, you know, this is a very purist concept. Only Warren Buffett can do it, etc., etc. But uh, <laughs> I think uh, our, my, my point of view always is that if you want those returns, uh, you need to earn it. You can't get it with two or three years of investing. True. Uh, it's a difficult message to give. We continue to pursue that. 
one question I have is has the uh, you know this cyclicality if I may use the word in the inflows and outflows of the mutual fund industry has that in any way led to um, let's say demotivation in the fund managers themselves because when they want to manage good money they don't get absolutely. the money yeah. absolutely I think I agree with you uh, it does lead to uh, you know uh, uh, what tends to happen is uh, real long term alpha happens when you are able to build a portfolio with that type of patient money sure uh, right. but if uh, we don't get patient money uh, you can't really deliver uh, what you are meant to deliver and what you are capable of delivering mm-hmm. so the balancing act of uh, Managing short-term cycles yet delivering long-term superior alpha is not very easy. Um, you know, I empathize uh, with great quality fund managers who have to blend these two together and still, you know, keep uh, delivering sure. their best. So the redemption pressure would come exactly at a time when and vice and vice versa inflows will come when probably yeah. is not the best time. So you know, one school of thought uh, is that. Uh, do not time the market. Uh, invest every day is a good day to invest if you have the right time horizon and mm. if you are buying the right businesses. There are only three things that matter. You know, at what price do you buy, or rather, at what valuations you buy. What do you buy, which is good companies or bad companies, and for how long do you buy? Uh, now, how long is not in our hands. Yeah. We would love to buy for long, but yeah. uh, that luxury is not there in our hand. Uh, no, on the contrary, I think it goes absolutely reverse. Yeah. So the moment you see losses, you tend to take the money off exactly. the table. And that is so it's time. a difficult dilemma, yeah. but I think the industry is also evolving. Customers are also evolving. There is a breed of, uh, you know, a lot of investors who recognize these realities and who... Uh, and, and I do give a lot of credit to the industry that uh, there's a lot of emphasis over the last five, six years on uh, monthly investments. Mm-hmm. Uh, the basic premise is... Uh, you can't even predict valuation cycles. Uh, valuations can remain extreme both sides for longer than we wish. So the best thing to do uh, in the formula of compounding uh, is, uh, you know, how much time you can give and uh, how much money can you save every month. Right. So rather than timing the market, keep saving every month. The SIP uh, The SIP or the STP concept. Um, uh, you will average out the ups and downs of the market. And uh, uh, it is not the most efficient solution. But it is probably the only solution which will take care of 95% of the investor base. Right. Um, it will not uh, end up uh, over allocating money in uh, expensive markets. It will not, uh, you know, keep the investor out of the market when valuations are very compelling or investment opportunities are very large. And SIP ensures that you are continuously participating. Uh, so it's a discipline. It's a process. And end of the day, either we manage a process at our end, which we do, is an overlay of uh, the discipline that the investor also brings in. So in the last cycle, uh, we saw in uh, 2009, 10, 11, when markets corrected and were going nowhere, uh, a lot of SIPs started getting stopped. Uh, Mm. Investors lost patience midway after three or four years and they stopped their SIPs. But in this cycle, I've seen, uh, and I give a lot of credit even to a lot of advisors who worked hard on the discipline part, there is an emergence of a concept called perpetual SIP. Yeah. So the SIP form is up to 2099. Okay, uh, interesting. Uh, uh, it's not longer, but the system <laughs> cannot take it beyond that. Okay. So if I want to do a 100 year SIP, I can't do it. Okay. Uh, but even 2099 is uh, you know more than the average age of an Indian. So a lot of investors have at least taken that route. And it's a behavioral nudge to start say, by saying that do a perpetual SIP. Mm-hmm. But if the investor says, no, that's too long, okay, do a 10-year SIP. Mm-hmm. In old days, we would start by, you know, putting one year, three year and five year. Right. And the propensity was to take one year. one year. And there is one advisor who flipped this uh, without, you know, he's not an expert on behavioral science. 
but with lot of common sense and wisdom we said let's not put 1 3 and 5 let's start with 10 years or above yeah this so is give, uh, typical dan arayli's <laughs> experiment exactly. on contrast absolutely yeah. mm-hmm. so that's how you know we have learned and in this cycle a lot of money so to give you a sense uh, uh, roughly around uh, 600 crores a month comes only on sip uh, every wow. month amazing um, this must be a huge jump to the previous numbers if i'm so it is still not a large number in context to the total size of the money so on an average in this cycle in the last uh, 18 months to 2 years uh, the average inflow has been around 1 1.5 billion dollars uh, by mutual funds so between 6000 to 9000 compared crores. to previous cycles um, this amount yeah this amount so, so in the previous cycle it was 3 to 4000 crores so okay. in this cycle the quantum has uh, gone up to 2 to 1/2 times yeah. even the sip quantum has gone to 1 to 1/2 times and the sip numbers continue to increase uh, I think SIP has become a norm now. People are, uh, you know, recognizing that that's the best way to start investing. No, but there have been a lot of uh, efforts by advisors plus of AMCs course, to teach them also. See, even um, you know, there is a lot of skin in the game for advisors. Uh, uh, just uh, I give you another uh, anecdote. Ninety-eight. Uh, there were a couple of funds in that correction, uh, which were at an NAV of seven rupees. Okay. Now, ninety-eight okay. to two thousand fifteen is uh, roughly seventeen, eighteen years. Yeah. At a seventeen percent CAGR, uh, that seven rupees has become seven hundred rupees, hundred okay. times, eighteen percent CAGR. Because you know, a lot of funds have generated eighteen to twenty percent CAGR. Okay. Uh, so, if as an advisor, uh, I had one crore of my client asset, uh, and if I was able to just hold him through, mm-hmm. it would on its own be, have become hundred crores. Mm. Oh. Mutual fund is the only product in the world where you earn not just on the capital but on the portfolio value every year. Mm. So on an average, uh, let's say the trail income those days was 0.5 percent of the portfolio value. Mm. So if you were earning 0.5 on one rupee then, today you would be earning 0.5 on the entire hundred rupees every mm. year. Mm. Uh, Interesting. Wow. So uh, so there is a maths which says yeah. that um, if you are a seller of a mobile. Yeah. You will get a certain percentage of the value of a mobile. Yeah. Mutual fund is the only concept in the world where you can get more than the value of the product sold yeah. if your horizons are long. So the compounding works for the advisor also. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, there are enough smart advisors in India, uh, in the unorganized uh, distribution segment who run their own shops who realize this mm-hmm. that it is in their interest to build a, a long-term medium which can compound because the incomes will accordingly uh, grow. You know, uh, talking about advisors, uh, one thing which I observed and some advisors I had communication with also, uh, I have noticed that IDFC does not have that kind of a uh, what do I say incentive structure which a lot of other AMCs tend to have. So I should say, crazy, uh, some crazy offers and crazy <coughs> incentives given to a lot of advisors. Foreign trips and whatnot. No, I mean, uh, but on the conditions, you know, so. Um, how does that lead to advisors not shifting loyalties so to speak or does that really create a problem for you to you know keep the advisors how do you keep more them focused, motivated yeah more focus towards selling the right product and not going towards their incentives and or they themselves are able to manage it so so yeah it's not uh, easy it's challenging mm-hmm. um, so you know what we have tried to do is um, Uh, ask this question that is this an asset management business or an asset uh, gathering business and what do you want to really aim for mm-hmm. um, the purest argument is it should be only asset management uh, mm-hmm. my right. point of view is that you can't manage assets without gathering assets you need to first gather assets so if you are able to gather assets at the right time and then manage it well long term growth and long term compounding can happen so that's been our attempt 
um, it's a long term story it may not give results in the short term um, so you know uh, i i don't have any bias against uh, incentives or um, uh, foreign trips etc if they are uh, productive and if they lead to uh, incremental value addition uh, so our attempt always has been uh, you know in the last couple of years what we've said is uh, the biggest gap is uh, understanding the nuances of investing but more imp- more than just understanding market cycles and asset class like fixed income and equity mm. uh, another element of uh, learning is uh, human biases and behavioral biases and the fourth thing is uh, we are end of the day in the business of relationships and dealing with human beings uh, so the element of uh, selling skills and soft skills becomes important so we have tried to uh, allocate more resources uh, uh, and incentives around uh, bringing these uh, skills to our advisors right so uh, in any industry uh, there is a community there is a distribution community and different people align with uh, different uh, incentives so our bias has been to align with uh, advisors who value a lot of these uh, ideas and uh, enablers so uh, we have adopted a strategy as follows that uh, this is a category which is the best way in which uh, indian individual investors can invest so those who understand stock picking should do it on their own right. but i can guarantee and bet on this that that number will be handful right there'll be many who have an illusion that they know stock picking but really knowing stock picking will be very few it's it's not an easy uh, art or science to learn sure. um so the most disciplined way of investing is mutual funds so as a product uh, its superiority is uh, unmatched um, the penetration is 4 or 5% uh, so you know uh, or other the penetration would be 15% if i take the in right universe so i am not considering 100 crores of indians right. if i assume that people who have meaningful amount of money to save it would be 15 crores uh, we have around 1 1 and 1/2 crore investors who invested so we still have 10% penetration uh, so the debate always is uh, in a 10% penetration industry do you do price wars or do you focus on volume expansion and uh, give enough skills and tools uh, to distribution partners to go and expand the market and build the market um, that has been the thought process of our uh, entire distribution strategy and following sorry to interrupt following this route you invariably save yourself from the perverse incentives so of mis selling that's the another the other point that uh, incentives or you know they create um, behaviors uh, so our attempt has been to become more aggressive on incentives again when uh, we feel the timing is right Uh, because it is a reality that incentives will drive behaviors uh, so True. it's not right to say that high good incentives are bad but incentives timed well right time, uh, yeah. uh, make a difference so we have uh, attempted so i won't say we uh, we we've been defensive we have been equally aggressive but we choose our uh, timings so you know on the same line uh, so on the timing part only i was just about to ask you that the major selling happens at the peak yeah. when people are yeah. more Very willing to give money also and for the advisors the major business also will probably happen at that time and that is when uh, you guys will say no nfos right so yeah. so, so how true. does the advisors react to that kind of a so i think um, uh, we lose out on a segment of the market so in a 100 rupee pie we probably will lose out on 30 40 rupee pie the pie for us naturally then is 60 rupees Okay. and and we try to say that let us try to do the best in the 60 rupees mm-hmm. and be more uh, relevant and more dominant uh, so has it worked really honestly it's not uh, yet given me the results that you know i would like to see it's it's a long haul 
we don't want to give up. We think we continue to try and over cycles, the market will realize. So what we, we like is, you know, advisors recognize this uh, DNA, this character and, and they know that, okay. So the right advisors end up uh, aligning uh, with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, all advisors may not end up aligning and uh, and then we have to look at different strategies to try and reach out to them. But it's work in progress. I still don't have perfect answers to this. Uh, it's very interesting dilemma. that you said that, uh, Mr. Parekh, that uh, the right advisors align along because I, I read this in one of the annual letters of Warren Buffett where he said, because of the policies that I follow, on uh, the right shareholders aligned with me. Okay, so Mr. Parag, I have just, um, so you, you have given this external environment related decision making <coughs> culture to, um, uh, pertaining to the advisors, pertaining to customers, pertaining to competitors, but have you internally faced some challenges to come up, you know, to take such decisions which have been pretty unconventional, um, even to educate the investors to a level where you have been doing now, have you faced internal challenges in any way in terms of decision making? So, uh, people against the idea or people uh, resistant to start with that new idea? Or maybe not even able to understand it. So, I'll tell you, like I said, um, you know, I am an outcome of IDFC's uh, philosophy and thought process rather than the other way around. Okay. Um, this has been a thought process which was born in the IDFC group and IDFC mutual fund. And even, you know, before we were IDFC Mutual Fund, we were Standard Chartered in mm. early days. Mm. So this has been an ideology always been there. I have, uh, you know, I have, I have joined them 10 years later and got uh, immersed in it. Right. So um, uh, today, if I have to think of uh, working in any other format, it, it would become very difficult and challenging because this gives you a lot of satisfaction when you go back uh, home and you know peace of mind that yes you're doing something different and not just different but right yeah, it's uh, a good strategy to keep the people also with you yeah, in fact, also in fact I was having conversation of couple of IDFC employees and this is precisely uh, what they told me they're like uh, <laughs> after IDFC I, I don't think I can work so anywhere else career crisis <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so when you ask me what are the internal challenges uh, so you know thankfully we, we are a board-run company and most of the senior team members and colleagues are all aligned around this. I think everyone in the organization says that this is the only way we can work because we think this is the right way and uh, if we execute well and right, we will achieve our pound of uh, or our share of uh, the rightful side of the market. But there are times when, um, you know, times like last year when you have to lose market share, you end up losing market share. Um, board members or shareholders obviously question but so far we have been fortunate that every time we've gone to the board with a thought process and logic they have uh, backed Um, on the other hand i also think that um, uh, if we still execute well we can still grow doing the right things because you know there is enough money at the middle of the table then playing on the sidelines so our whole effort is how do we uh, improve our execution improve our uh, processes and reach out to more people so, uh, <coughs> you know, sticking to the uh, the value, as you said, of IDFC, <coughs> you know, in my investment career, I have been privileged and, uh, you know, lucky to talk to a lot of CEOs and leaders. One thing which I've noticed, and they have often mentioned that the vision of the top guy, the, the, the CEOs or the top management per se, the vision of the top management sometimes is not resonate it doesn't resonate with the organization at the absolute bottom level right now and especially when the vision is an unconventional vision as yours now how do you ensure 
that first of all is attrition a problem for you guys because of the very nature that you it will be difficult for you to hire people from other amc because of the cultures if at all i am not really aware and secondly once you do that hiring how do you keep them so is attrition a problem you face first of all so attrition is not a problem uh, hiring sometimes is challenging okay uh, so you know there are in a country of 100 crore people enough uh, talented uh, people that you find what is important is to get the right alignment and the right people for this type of an environment sure so you know good talent in a different uh, platform may not really be successful uh, in a framework like this so what we are very cautious and careful about is who who do we bring on board mm-hmm. uh, and and we take time to judge uh, if if uh, a new incumbent will succeed in an environment like this so the thought process that is required or the skills that are required the filters that we put are slightly different um uh, the filter required here is more of innovation more of market development more of uh, you know knowing the um, uh, knowing the underlying asset classes really very well um, uh, and uh, a lot of emphasis on soft skills a lot of emphasis on uh, knowing the domain very well uh, most importantly uh, having the mental strength to realize that this is uh, the road less traveled and not going to be very easy so very clearly in our selection process we highlight to people that this is the way we operate mm-hmm. uh, the other pros and cons um, this is why we like to work in this fashion but this is the downside of this approach uh, and uh, we are you know we try to look for fitment uh, in context of uh, this strategy but we also are very transparent when we do the hiring to say that this is what you will uh, face so it should not come as a surprise um the bigger challenge that you face at times is uh, is also the morale of the team because you know uh, what we look for is people who are uh, having a very high uh, achievement orientation and a team of high achievement orientation at times when does not get desired results uh, i don't need to tell them that numbers are not good they on their own uh, realize uh, and uh, tend to struggle so a lot of my guys uh, you know have sh- shoulders dropping momentarily in periods like this and uh, here is where then the internal communication and uh, you know hand holding takes over so uh, a lot of time uh, we spend in uh, continuous uh, learning and development on some of these concepts i personally feel that these are concepts uh, not yet tried out in the fund industry and we have been pioneers so concepts like behavioral biases concepts like soft scaling um, a basic concept of uh, you know simplicity i always believe that uh, the fund management business uh, or industry tries to talk complex languages uh, with an illusion that it will make us stand out but we actually stand out and investors also stay away uh, it excludes us from large number of uh, customers so uh, in fact four years back we uh, internally launched a campaign called simplicity that can we simplify as much as we can very interesting and, um, uh, you know over so we we still are let's say 30 or 40% in that journey and a long way to go a lot of effort has been made to simplify concepts demystify concepts like um, you know showing risk first and not showing returns okay uh, uh, we've used uh, the concept of movies uh, to transmit ideas yeah the one idea one you also so launched so we first made a movie called bachat nivesh bharat uh, okay. uh, which which talks of you know three households in india and their styles of uh, saving or spending money and then the smart way of doing it um one idiot was um, uh, uh, idfc foundation initiative in that concept of nation building that if you are really able to 
make youngsters uh, realize the role of money and respect money just when they earn money um, most of us um, including myself uh, in spite of being in the fund industry the first 10 or 12 years uh, i was fairly reckless in my way of investing uh, so in a way it was a loss of 12 years of compounding sure so i think if if we can really just get investors to start on the right track right from day one uh, it will make a huge difference so one it is another example hmm. Uh, then through our distribution partners, a lot of uh, product ideas are transmitted using, uh, you know, very innovative sales tools uh, and concepts. Uh, on our website, we have a section called "Is it a good time to invest?" So, uh, you know, it's it's a traffic signal which uh, is a reflection of valuation. Uh, so currently, it is flashing red because valuations are expensive. But it so it it says that you know typically when you invest in uh, uh, high valuation markets. the near term future returns tend to be muted so if you want to really earn uh, respectable returns you need to extend your time horizon or uh, rebalance your uh, asset allocation uh, you're making you know lot more changes on the website where we can show um, in any of our fund what was the worst return Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. in its history uh, for a defined time horizon that will be something different uh, the idea is to make uh, investors know what can go wrong sure. uh, because uh, my experience has been that whenever investors have invested in our uh, beautiful category of mutual funds they have only bought the upside without knowing that to earn that upside you cannot not get the downside mm-hmm. there is no way in which <coughs> i can give you 20% cgr without having you know the drawdown one uh, drawdown of 20% or 30% or 50% you have to live through that um, you can't be just plain lucky to get only the upside so if i am able to upfront show that these are the downsides but the price of this downside is this upside now mm-hmm. you choose whether you want this mm-hmm. or you be happy to invest in bond funds mm-hmm. so we also have bond funds uh, mutual fund industry is perceived to be only an equity category yeah. right uh, we are making a lot of effort to make people realize that uh, you know it's okay if you don't want to buy equities people who have a lot of wealth do not need wealth creation perhaps mm-hmm. even right. wealth preservation with tax efficiency uh, is a great value add to them mm-hmm. sure uh, so today people are queuing up to buy 15 year bonds at 7% uh, we have actively managed bond funds which in the last 10 years have given 9 to 10% cagr tax free with liquidity available to you every day so the whole idea is to bring that awareness and then uh, enable investors to buy rather than sell to them so if they buy it the ownership is better and uh, if they buy it with awareness i think the job is done uh, the challenge is to build that awareness in because uh, investing decisions are done very very quickly uh, in moments of uh, greed or fear it's not a very cold blooded rational decision making so even on the website you barely get three or five minutes of the customer so how can we crunch our messaging creatively uh, keeping it simple is is the attempt now uh, just just one question on the marketing front only you mentioned that it's the communication from your end that takes the priority and you know you tend to make it more long term focus <coughs> but um in and, and it's a observation rather than yes. anything else that a large number of people they take decisions of investing with the amc on the basis of the image of the fund fund manager sure. than the communication of the amc per se so do you feel that uh, uh, in that regard you have been able to break a uh, sort of a ceiling so to so to speak that the people have, people appreciate the communication and not only go with the uh, fund manager image or anything like so that i think uh, in investing um, a fund manager makes a lot of difference sure. uh, who manages your money uh, determines what outcome you will get so while it is very fashionable to say processes what rules 
but the process is also institutionalized and executed by the person so sure. you know if you don't have a right person process a right process without a right person also does not lead you anywhere so sure. it's a blend of both um, there is a constituent in the market which necessarily relies on uh, the fund manager Mm-hmm. and gets more comfort around who the fund manager is right so um, we've been fortunate to have uh, some of the best talent in the industry whether it is on fixed income and uh, in uh, in debt or in equity uh, and uh, the other point to look at is that it is a 10% penetrated category 90% people don't even know that mutual funds exist uh, <laughs> right so uh, it doesn't matter to them that uh, this is a good fund now with a great fund manager okay. uh, it is futile to them because they don't know about our existence so it's a balancing act Uh, to those who uh, need the role of fund manager you can't ignore mm-hmm. uh, it's a desire so broadly in our uh, existence of 15 years we've had uh, very good talent uh, who has not only delivered but has been able to position the platform in a very credible manner mm-hmm. so so far we've been fortunate on that front but can you completely eliminate that uh, through communication i don't think so uh, but uh, you said 90% people are not aware yes. um How do you ensure to get that inclusion? I mean, what is the strategy going forward for you as well as the AMCs, for that matter? If we knew, we we, we wouldn't be at ninety percent. Yes. What's the strategy going forward? What no, do you I think? Uh, the reflect that I, when I started my career, penetration was seven eight percent. Today also, it's around ten percent. So it's mm. really. Uh, there's a lot of randomness in the growth of the industry. Industry grows when the asset class does well. We at times get this illusion that. we have really we have some control made a difference right. mm-hmm. so you will see a lot of uh, self congratulation and patting on the back in the last one year that equity mm-hmm. assets have grown and stuff like that mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the industry should be worried because if they have grown at 20 times and above valuation what will the future experience be we don't know i think the need of the r is uh, continuously uh, educating and uh, creating access easy uh, so uh, there have been challenges but i think the way india is transforming from a digital perspective and uh, even sebi recognizes that the only way to really uh, make uh, mutual funds inclusive and accessible to the last man in the country uh, cannot be through a physical pipe right. cannot be by uh, you know opening 1000 offices in 1000 uh, cities hmm. uh, it's not profitable it's not scalable Uh, the best way is the digital route and i think in that context india has taken a leap where 35% of the population is on smartphones so people who really matter to us almost 100% of them are on smartphones um and i think over time probably very soon a lot of changes will happen in the process of investing which will make it very simple uh, so uh, you know how well we are able to capture this digital revolution uh, um, along with uh, building a community of advisors who can handhold and sell right um, is is going to be the outcome so our focus is to build a quality distribution partner with them and uh, uh, from a digital front um, uh, be very relevant by uh, making access simple and talking a language that consumers understand i think if you are able to break the barrier of complexity so our effort continues to be around uh, breaking this barrier of uh, complexity and making people really understand what we are trying to say You know, oh. just out of mind i have this uh, point it just flashed um, can there be a collaborative effort by the amcs to you know do something like this do you think that's possible first of all and uh, <laughs> it's a hyper competitive industry anyways okay i i haven't seen of uh, any category where uh, peers uh, okay. collaborate but i think you know to give credit uh, in the last few years a lot of collaboration uh, knowingly unknowingly has happened 
around the broad messaging of investing through SIPs, the broad messaging of mutual funds being relevant. Right. Um, uh, SEBI in the last couple of years has uh, pushed the industry towards uh, collaboration. For example, um, you know, there is a budget created uh, which is meant purely for uh, investor awareness education. So a lot of communication <coughs> in the last few years from different AMCs uh, has been happening okay. uh, towards um, making in, uh, mutual funds more uh, understandable and accessible. SEBI itself has been doing, Amphi and SEBI have been doing separate campaigns. All of this has been supported by rising uh, prices of the underlying asset classes. <coughs> but I think uh, what remains to be seen is uh, how, how well do these lessons stick uh, when the cycle turns and are investors able to last uh, a cycle of uh, no returns for some time. If, if I think we are able to cross that, we would have seen some amount of maturity in the industry. You know, okay, so next question I have in my mind is about your style of, you know, managing people. Now, Warren Buffett is famous for saying that, you know, we, we delegate to the extent of abdication. So, uh, what is your delegation style? Where do you draw a line between, let's say, micromanaging, uh, uh, be it advisors or be it your own employees, and leaving a free hand for them to... Uh, <coughs> so, what is where, where do you draw that line? Is it only to the communication point or how do you... Go so, about you know, uh, we, we run a very lean uh, organization across all functions and uh, our total team size is roughly around uh, 130, 140. That's uh, it, across, yeah, across the country, across oh. 40 locations oh. that we uh, are in. And uh, so in, in contrast, similar sized organizations would be two to four times uh, bigger than us. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we've tried to do, like I said, a lot of time is spent on uh, getting the best talent and then nurturing and grooming them. Uh, over the last two years, what we have done is we invest heavily in the first uh, 15 days uh, uh, through a, a very intense uh, induction program which is not just a theoretical induction program, but uh, which takes, uh, which, which really imbibes uh, uh, everyone with uh, the DNA and uh, with what we want to do. So that when they go back into their market, uh, they, they are able to carry the message of the organization and they can face the market or they can face challenges knowing that, yes, this is what we stand for. So a lot of effort is done to build talent and even to hire the right talent. Uh, at times, you interview 30 people to get uh, one position uh, filled up, but we don't mind because the number of people, we barely have, you know, 8 to 10 recruitments uh, to be done in a year. No, you said 140 people in 40 offices. That boils down to what, 3 people per office on an average. So, <coughs> so, so typically, uh, beyond the 8 metros, it is one person per office. Interesting. Uh, uh, because end of the day, a lot of our business is done through our distribution partners, so yeah, we really right. don't need to stretch ourselves. Uh, sure. And a lot of our process-oriented work is outsourced to our registrars and custodians. Uh, so that's a more uh, lean, cost-efficient structure. Uh, but coming to the question of uh, you know delegation, I think a lot of uh, delegation uh, works because uh, of the nature of people and the talent that we have. So we run a very flat organization. For example, there are uh, you know very intelligent sales guys on the ground who report to a regional head who report to me. So very. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and uh, I think we've been fortunate to get some of the best talent. So I, I can say with pride that um, this is probably the best team I could have got. So another challenge of working elsewhere is uh, to build a <laughs> team of this profile. Yeah. No, one, one thing I can pretty much say with a lot of conviction here that whatever my communication has been with your team, I think the feeling is pretty mutual sure. there. 
know yes in fact i was yeah, yeah i was having a word with navneet the other day and he <coughs> said uh, mr parak gives us a free hand and uh, we are literally working here as entrepreneurs and so that's been the it's again i, I you know i don't take credit for this uh, it has been the thought process and the dna and in one thing that i have also learned after being a part of this organization is uh, uh, the only role i need to play is uh, when i can be an enabler otherwise uh, you know let them operate so my job is to ensure that there is a proper platform and all the enablers are in place uh, if they need anyone from the corporate office we are there uh, for them but we don't uh, interfere or you know uh, the the benefit of a flat organization is there are very few aggregators uh, who need to call every day to ask ki aaj kitna ganda hua so we we don't ask these questions because that is something the system gives us every day Hmm. Um, so we have a system where the sales team only tells us that today this is what business we've done. It's bottom up rather than uh, top down. And uh, the whole idea is uh, hierarchy should add value, or uh, not uh, act as a deterrent in uh, their uh, daily job by asking uh, wrong questions. The question to ask is how can I make your working better? How can I help you achieve your targets better? I think that framework works well. Uh, also productivity is far better when uh, there is freedom to execute and uh, it builds more ownership uh, you know guys feel that yes this is my so what we tell our colleagues is you know each one has its defined uh, group of relationships to manage whether it is institutional investors or advisors uh, you are the ceo for that business you have all the tools all the budgets uh, all the resources uh, to manage it if you need us we are there for you so a lot of ownership is transferred this is this is profound mr parakatelli why another correlation with uh, warren buffett's way their berkshire hathaway has what 15 people in their headquarters and uh, like like he started with the question they basically delegate to the level of abdication yeah very interesting uh, you know uh, you said one thing that uh, there are times uh, bad times for the mutual fund industry when your employees the, the shoulders drop and there's a lack of motivation just out of curiosity have you ever questioned the whole method yourself i mean was there a doubt at the level where you thought that probably this thing is too radical or too unconventional that it might not work i mean or it could be like since so, it's you know I, i slightly disagree uh, in the sense that this is not too unconventional this is the right thing to do and uh, see like i said uh, there there is uh, one part of the fund business which has a lot of cyclicality in it so out of let's say 13 lakh crore aum 3 lakh crore aum has cyclicality or 4 lakh crore so that's 25% okay. there is 75% of the fund aum which is in fixed income which does not have as much cyclicality okay. uh, which gives you straight line returns to a large extent there are money market funds which grow every day at the money market rate right. so so if if this part of the uh, platform has challenges or headwinds there is something else which tends to do well and uh, the way we think is we are a you know supermarket we have enough products so we have products which can fulfill your investment need from one day to a lifetime right. uh, and and depending on your risk appetite or your preference so enough products are there to be sold in every market cycle um so um in that context uh, even in times when let's say selling equity is difficult there is something else so for example this year we told our teams that Uh, you know, probably fixed income is more uh, relevant, more attractive from a risk-adjusted return point of view. We have very dominant uh, products in that segment. Uh, feel free to sell more of fixed income. So, uh, and like I said, the pie is too large. 
there is a lot of money what we need is more uh, creativity to find uh, newer markets your customers over right. and above doing the penetration understood got it so um so let me now get let's get to slightly hypothetical here in in a in a world where let's say you are given a, a completely free hand how do you see an ideal mutual fund industry where you have absolute free hands let's say you can do whatever you want to without any constraints whatsoever how what is your vision for that ideal uh, mutual fund industry let's say yeah i think um uh it is uh, it is a very hypothetical question <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah. i i can't imagine in a hypothetical world because it's not reality yeah uh, it's futile yeah. to really imagine something like that uh, we try to find our own ideal approach in a real world you know it's oh, okay. always then you know let me change the question change. uh in in the constraints you operate in in the environmental constraints you operate in what is where do you see the industry in probably the best possible way going let's say 10 years from now so if you ask me honestly we don't op- everyone operates in some constraints or the other so sure. to even uh, demand uh, uh, an unreal world or a world without constraints is futile you know it's not pragmatic Uh, and hence there is no point in evaluating yeah, or dreaming about that right uh, it's it's better to know that there is a reality and we all have constraint we have to find the best way i think um, the the <coughs> opportunity is so large for us in terms of knowing that uh, india is a young country um, per capita is growing money in the hands of indians uh, is going up indians are traditional savers so right. they need savings uh, solutions and options uh it it is a country with better literacy and you know better technology adoption we have the right products what today we are missing is the link between the two and the channels a lot of work needs to do, to be done on uh, channel development and creating access and uh, i think in an ideal world i would want to build uh, get that access uh, uh, grow so the pipeline which connects uh, the investment world to to 15 20 crore consumers whether it is uh, advisors whether it is a digital route uh, is something which needs to be built uh, what i would look for is you know some amount of regulatory uh, realism on making the industry more simpler so um, it's some you know it's it's unusual we 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 look for uh, simplicity but our offer documents are 100 pages long <laughs> uh, so what can be done in 3 pages so it's very Im- simple to say that you know if you invest in mutual funds the worst experience you had is 60% fall in nav in one year versus that there are 30 pages of the risk factors and disclaimers which even i don't understand at times uh, uh, so some amount of realism and practicality in in making it simple i think the biggest barrier is complexity uh, otherwise indians are worldly wise they understand the role of savings they understand the role of money in their life they understand that uh, they need to be disciplined to fulfill their uh, uh, you know future goals and dreams only through disciplined saving the mode of saving today is uh, not the most efficient Uh, either from a taxation point of view or from an inflation beating point of view uh, so so ideally uh, uh, that ability to simplify the message uh, can go a long way uh, in uh, uh, making consumers realize the role we play so look at it the other way around india is, is an inflationary country every year you lose 8% of your money sure. so you know left to itself the money will die poor you sure. keep losing value on the other hand india also has a lot of growth and equity has compounded at uh, meaningful rates uh, we just need to marry the need and the solution so uh, do you see the equity investors or investors in general appreciating this point nowadays more yeah, than the 
more than last yes. let's say five seven years i think I, I, there is a significant amount of uh, awareness being built a lot of uh, new investors are coming through the sip route um, new business models will evolve for example you know funds will get created around goals around uh, basic needs like retirement or children's education um, our business model is different which is uh, you know take money when you make money uh, so i think a lot of uh, new practices uh, will get developed very quickly so the rate of rate at which transformation has happened in the last 10 15 years it, it won't be the same you will see um, things moving at a much faster rate so maybe we are at the cusp of I you know so. equity I think so being so i so i always said that uh, you know after having worked over the last 17 18 years is one thing that the fund industry should not have is uh, uh, obsession to an asset class uh, uh why should uh, an 80 year old who has uh, enough money to sustain go into equity mm. lose money and then go out it's okay to sell a bond fund well said um, so i think the industry is uh, obsessed around equity which is why the perception is mutual fund is equal to equity is equal to casino is equal to risky but has it something to do with the uh, incentives maybe there are more incentives in selling equity not any more uh, 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 fee structures are very similar uh, payoffs are very similar um, the you know new trend of regulation uh, the way it is going and if it happens it could be transformative again from a, a behavior perspective uh, is uh, you know the emergence of uh, investment advisors where they don't take revenues from us mm-hmm. but they say that my employee is my customer he will pay me my salary by giving me fees it's a very ideal long thought uh, but at some stage you know that is a new business model that is evolving a lot of bankers are you know quitting their jobs and uh, becoming mm-hmm. advisors yes, yes. a lot of young uh, quality advice ifas yeah. are emerging who are taking that model uh, a lot of technology platforms are coming Uh, which are giving all the right tools and uh, techniques and technology to run a business model efficiently uh, where the role of the advisor is only to acquire clients and manage relationships so um, so you know uh, like i said uh, we don't need an asset class obsession we need a consumer outcome obsession mm-hmm. then yeah, whatever also, is yeah. but you also mentioned that uh, for this to happen the asset <coughs> class knowledge to your has to grow, uh, has to grow. don't you feel there's a problem there because the people you are trying to get to the knowledge of the asset class are hmm. essentially marketing people who are more equipped with the selling part of the hmm. skill than the understanding of equity or maybe any other asset class <laughs> i agree so i take your point that unlike you know selling a soap or a basic uh, lifestyle product, lifestyle product yeah. where the damage can't be too high yeah right uh, in in financial services selling uh, the need for uh, responsible selling is much higher mm-hmm. and the need for the right skill sets <coughs> is much higher and which is why like i said our our whole emphasis in in our distribution building or partnership is around uh, building these four pillars of knowledge so you know our uh, distribution learning and development strategy is only around four things uh, learning of equity market cycles through a game called equity bazaar learning of fixed income trends and fixed income variables that determine how interest rates and bond funds behave through a game called macropoly which is a, a design around monopoly uh, the concept of so you may be well equipped with these two but if you can't work on the behavioral biases of consumers mm-hmm. uh, for that we have a concept called behave yourself and the last one is uh, uh, soft skills of uh, learning how to understand your consumers and Uh, you know their style is through a concept called i sell uh, 
so I, I sell i sell okay uh, so okay. In, internally we call it the idfc way of selling okay uh, so that has been the driver of you know imparting uh, relevant uh, knowledge to make uh, our channels and our own sales teams uh, very efficient so the point i'm making here is uh, you don't need a sales guy to be a fund manager uh, 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 also and you also don't need a fund manager to be a sales guy so you also see you know it is very unfortunate people want to see and hear the fund managers more often without realizing that if they are seen or heard more often when will they manage <laughs> they do the real job uh, yeah. uh, 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 on the other hand um, so uh, there is a lot of uh, uh, so you you asked one question that what would be an ideal world i would want an ideal world where a salesman is a blend of understanding basic investing concepts right uh, that you know what is the basic of uh, making money over long periods of time uh, role of discipline role of asset allocation role of uh, you know the concept of margin of safety um, understanding consumer behavior understanding uh, marketing uh, so that you can simplify technical concepts and talk the language of consumer uh, so the whole orientation needs to be outside in um, so for example um, how do i tell the customer that valuations are expensive so if i use my conventional language of price earning multiple is so and so it won't connect with the consumer so how do you convert that in a simpler language and explain uh, becomes the key role so the f- fund management part manufactures the product with discipline and create long term compounding the role of the distribution and marketing teams is to magnify that message and ensure it gets uh, broadcasted to a larger number of people uh, in a simple manner so so a lot of effort needs to be done to make the sales channels uh, more disciplined more proficient in the underlying domain uh, the other question to ask is how many uh, you know people who distribute our products internally which is the sales guys and uh, outside are themselves uh, becoming rich uh, so if i am claiming to make you rich first of all <laughs> i need to you know demonstrate that i i am able to do it so So I think uh, famously Warren Buffett said that uh, Wall Street is the only place yes, where yeah. people in go in and limousines come to take advice from, from the people who come somewhere. So some concepts are very elementary and basic, yeah. like concepts like asset allocation and uh, you know SIPs. You really don't need to know too much of uh, uh, market knowledge. So one school of thought is uh, basic products and ideas can be sold by uh, large distribution scale, uh, and evolved products and complex products can be sold only through limited uh, segments and channels. but uh, clearly uh, there is a big vacuum in terms of uh, you know bringing in more uh, uh, knowledge uh, to our own uh, teams within the industry but besides the communication part or the concept part do you also think that there is a lack of quality data or information points where people who want to directly get involved into equity for that matter they do have the dearth of some kind of a call like in us we have a lot of companies giving good quality data information Uh, do you think AMCs also can get into that kind of a stuff, or do you think direct equity investing should be something which is? So, see, I think ten uh, uh, years back this would have been a valid argument that uh, data is uh, less available, and whoever has data or information has an edge. Today, there is an overload of data globally, or in, in, in enough uh, platforms are emerging which give you data to analyze uh, whatever you want to do. Mm. I don't think the issue is data. Uh, the issue is how do you interpret that data. how do you control your greed and emotion uh, how do you say discipline and i don't think discipline can be uh, taught uh, or interpretation can be taught interpretation can be taught yeah. so so you know one can teach uh, 
uh, how to invest in equities. Mm. I do not uh, deny that. Mm. Uh, probably an individual investor can outperform mutual funds over long periods of time because it does not have these challenges of constraints of yeah. uh, daily uh, NAVs and all that. Yeah. So, so we do try to overcome that by creating products like Premier where we shut subscription etc. But at the, but the bigger point I have is uh, how many people uh, have the DNA to understand uh, equity? Are they going to spend time reading balance sheets or doing their primary research? Sure. Or so it's better to you know give up two three percent extra return or five percent extra return. You may not earn twenty five percent by not doing direct stock picking. You may earn only fifteen percent. That's good enough. Uh, uh, and not because I'm wearing the fund hat, because the cost of trying to earn twenty five with half knowledge. Uh, uh, is uh, probably minus 10 or minus 20. So, um, the point to ask is uh, for uh, a large mass of population, uh, which is the best way? And I think if everyone learns uh, equity investing the right way, equity returns will be equal to fixed deposits. <laughs> that is absolutely correct. <laughs> that is very true. Okay, so I um, a few things I have to ask you. First is, I have noticed that you are nowadays reading more because I, I follow you on Twitter and you have tried to educate your readers via Twitter also by quoting a lot of intelligent investor from yes. Graham and so what are you reading nowadays and how have been your reading journey? Um, right. Are you a avid reader? Have you ever been a, I'm, been a, a uh, I'm an erratic reader so when I <laughs> okay. meet people like you I try to read a lot <laughs> before meeting people like you I would want to read a lot. Uh, but it's not very disciplined. I, my reading starts late in the night after uh, putting my kid to sleep. Okay. Uh, and I've started now trying to write down what I read if, if something oh, makes sense. Interesting. So, so my reading is first about learning the, you know, concepts of in investing in different styles and different market cycles, different uh, uh, investment managers, their principles. Um, to realize that there is no one holy grail, there are different routes to Absolutely. heaven, that's one part of my reading. The second part of reading is uh, how do you convey this to the common man. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, so you may have the best of knowledge but if you can't transmit it. If my population understands Hindi and if I talk in Greek, uh, the best Greek will <laughs> fail. Uh, True. So how do you, so there are a lot of books which help you in, you know, Converting investment uh, complex language in simple uh, sort of concepts. So that's another area. Uh, there are, <coughs> you know, I, I, I like uh, books by Nick Murray, mm. for example, who is uh, a very well accomplished uh, advisor in US who converts these concepts into very simple things which only matter and cut out the noise around things that don't matter. Um, so that has influenced a lot of, uh, you know, my uh, transmission. And I tell my teams also to, you know, learn these principles, learn these concepts. Sure. So yes. something very relevant for India, for example, is um, we are a fixed deposit loving uh, country because we like certainty. Uh, so we give lots of money to good banks and bad banks at uh, 8%. And they give lots of money to good and bad promoters <laughs> uh, uh, at different rates of return. Sure. Right. Uh, and a lot of these promoters earn 15, 16% return. So there is a 8% transmission loss. Sure. So he has one very nice line which says, do you want to be a loaner or do you want to be an owner? So by loaning your money, uh, you earn 8%, but by owning, uh, you earn 15 to 16%. So the basic right. concept of debt and equity explained through very simple, powerful So he understands the communication has to be in uh, the language of... In the language that we speak, uh, that we, speak, that we yeah. understand. 
there's another very accomplished guy in US called Carl Richards yeah. uh, who just uh, sketches on a napkin uh, most of these concepts mm-hmm. and um, you know one thing which is most memorable is uh, two circles uh, one which says what's in your control and the second one which says what matters and anything which is a part of the overlap is what you should focus on Beautiful. everything else is irrelevant so china mein kya hoga why discuss <laughs> US Fed hike up karega Janet Yellen ko bhi shayad pata nahi hai but we end up spending most of our time doing that so some of these guys uh, may not probably understand balance sheets or valuation and they say it doesn't matter it doesn't matter to be there are you know specialists who do that right uh, them knowing it is important how to use them uh, is what we need to learn sure so if there are great money managers in india how do i leverage or benefit from them is what we need to learn and uh, uh, help our investors uh, learn that so what are you reading currently <coughs> question remains <laughs> okay so currently uh, i am reading his book called uh, the game of numbers which is about the art of uh, uh, selling and the art of overcoming objections okay uh, i almost every month read uh, the intelligent investor to refresh wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, basic concepts okay um i am i think these two books come immediately to mind but i i do read a lot of blogs now because they are faster and um, there is this realization that even in most books uh, 10% is uh, the juice 90% is reputation that is no, that is um, written to make it a book yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it is written to make a blog a book so you rather read the blog so i think jason zweig is one guy who uh, who influences uh, he blends uh, long term market uh, you know cycles and information and behavior very well yeah. uh, to crystallize it to things that really matter Uh, so I think that's one. Recently, I read another book, right? On, uh, yeah, something called the, the Devil's, Devil's Dictionary. The Devil's, Devil's Dictionary. Yes, how like how jargons are used in yeah. the investment uh, business. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <coughs> then, uh, so a lot of guys uh, online. You know, I think Twitter has been a great uh, learning platform sure. uh, to follow some of these guys to take away the attention from uh, things that don't matter to things that really matter. Really matters. Uh, people like you, I think. I, <laughs> I wait for. Uh, you know both both of you when you blogs i have a year marked uh, so, uh, our pleasure <laughs> be honored yeah now so, uh, so so i'll be sharing you know this um, this podcast with my <coughs> students at iit delhi and most of them i mean the brightest of the people in the country so most of them are probably future influencers and decision makers any message which you want to portray to these people um especially in the in the way that they can go ahead and make changes which are for the betterment of the country as well as individuals i think i have a lot of respect for those who are in iits uh, mm-hmm. because i couldn't get through <laughs> through the exams i don't think i'm qualified to give a message to them but i would only say one thing that you know people are very successful in uh, creating uh, money or earn, you know getting good jobs and earning their money but they mostly are uh, you know failures in managing that money well and letting that money compound Mm-hmm. so uh, if uh, india is a great uh, compounding machine whether you know debt at 8 9% or equity at 14 15% uh, respect the money that you earn and uh, don't uh, let it stay idle but that's a message from a amc md uh, no it's a message from uh, someone who has uh, lost the first 10 years okay. in compounding okay. and and the reason i say this is a lot of uh, youngsters today uh, mm. do not probably want to just work for uh, you know till 60 65 70 but sure. want to pursue a lot of other options sure. 
and uh, financial freedom matters a, a lot. Sure. Uh, uh, starting on day one the right way can really make a huge impact. That is correct. Uh, you may not have to work for the last 20 years uh, if you are able to get the first 20 years uh, right. And there is no rocket science required for that. Just the basic concept of monthly uh, savings and investing in the right uh, vehicle uh, can make a huge impact. Yeah, I think you have tried to communicate the same message with your one idiot. So I have got, uh, you know, when we launched one idiot five years back, uh, we I got a mail from a student in IIT Kharagpur saying that wow. uh, I have tried to do uh, stock picking on my own for the last couple of uh, months, but I have not succeeded. But this movie gives me, uh, it doesn't teach stock investing, but it tells you uh, what not to do and uh, it has been a huge learning for me so you know we feel good when uh, the student community person yeah and, and and that has been the biggest segment so by now we would have reached out to 12 lakh uh, youngsters colleges or in their first or second year of their employment oh. uh, to just show the message of what is the discipline of investing so I think the only thing I would say is uh, respect money and if the money grows India will grow value Okay, great. So that's it from uh, our side. Thanks great. a lot for giving us time. Thanks for um, spending time. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Okay. Thank Thanks. you so much, sir.